0: Hey, y'all, this is Corinne with Life and Things Podcast. Uh, This is my very, very first time trying to do a live podcast, so uh, bear with me. Um, I've been trying to record them all first and then upload them, but obviously, um, sometimes that's a little bit more difficult, I think. So hopefully I get some folks in here to... Have a listen. If not, hopefully you listen afterwards. Um, First, I'd like to start by talking about some good news that I found. I know that right now with everything going on in the world, good news can sometimes be hard to come by. So turn off the news that you are listening to on mainstream media. Put down that newspaper and have a listen to this because this is so much better than listening to all the negative stuff that is going on right now. All right, so the very first news article I've got here is about a Hawaiian boy scout who is 12 years old who ends up helping and rescuing a couple and their injured dog who is lost in the woods. He even used his skill set to help build them a stretcher so they could get their dog out of there. So here's the story this happened, or this news was posted on Yahoo News on November 17th of this year. It says a preteen Boy Scout in Hawaii helped rescue a local couple and their hundred pound dog on a trail in August and is now being recognized for his efforts. The couple found themselves in a dangerous situation when they took a wrong turn on what they thought was a short hike and instead got lost. It was dark. They had no water, no food, and their cell phone was dead. Their dog, Smokey, was injured and unable to walk. They had not seen anyone for hours until they ran into a 12 year old, David King, and his mom, Christine. We asked, Oh, do you need any help? And they said, Yeah, they showed us the dog's paws had some cuts on it, so it hurt the, when the dog would walk. When the dog would walk, it would just be really painful, said David. There are different hikes on the trail above Pearl City. On August 29th, local resident JD and Amy ended up seven miles deep into the trail with their dog. The Kings had gotten three miles from the end of the 15 mile hike to earn David a Boy Scout merit badge for hiking with his St. John Troop 311. JD had tried to carry Smokey on his back, but the blue pit ball was just too heavy. So the young boy scout ended up building a stretcher using a big tree branch that he broke in half and used the shirts um, and slid the the armholes across to be part of the stretcher. He said that he learned it when he was an Eagle Scout. However, Christine was skeptical his mother, Christine, was skeptical that it would work. However, it did, and they were able to get the dog out of there. I just got to say, like, um, my daughter was in Girl Scouts and my nephew has been in Boy Scouts for quite some time now. And I find that to be just absolutely amazing. I mean, the amount of just learnings that you, survival learnings. I mean, that family went into those woods with nothing. They had no food. They had no water. All they had was themselves and their dog they ended up on a hike that was far longer than they suspected which by the way that's happened to me before me my daughter and uh, my boyfriend all ended up on a 7.2 mile hike accidentally and we didn't realize how far we'd gone there's not a lot of stuff on the on the path that kind of tells you how far you've gone or how much further you have so We wound up hiking 7.2 miles because we weren't sure if it would be worthwhile to turn around and go back or just kind of continue on our on our journey. And what was interesting is, you know, we were not the only couple to do it. There was another couple and their daughter, who almost was the same age as my daughter, who ended up on the same exact trail at the same time. All of them didn't none of none of them knew either how long they had come or how long this hike was. So Just a little info (laughs) for anyone who decides to go on a walk. Make sure that you know how long it is. And if you want to take the short route, make sure that you either have somebody with you who knows what that short route is or. Or, or make sure you have supplies with you and a map. So that was one great news spot that I've found. Um, another one was a 13-year-old boy who granted who was granted a Make-A-Wish from the Make-A-Wish Foundation decided to use it to feed the homeless every month for one whole year. This article came out on November 10th, and it was I found the article on CBSNews.com. And here is what it stated. Last year, 13-year-old Abraham found out he was born with a rare blood disorder and needed a bone marrow transplant. About a year later, he found out better news. His transplant was successful, and he qualified for a Make-A-Wish, an organization that grants wish to children with, with serious illnesses. Abraham wanted a long-lasting which, wish and decided he had, to, he had an idea to share... His wish with the homeless, he told his mom, and his mom remembers the moment. It was right after the last doctor's appointment, and he said, Mom, I thought about it, and I really want to feed the homeless. Miriam, his mom, said, Are you sure, Abraham, don't you just want a PlayStation or something? Unlike many teenage boys, the PlayStation did not entice Abraham, and instead he just wanted to still share his wish with the homeless and feed them for one full year. So they did. Abraham's wish was still not fulfilled even after their very first feeding where Make a Wish Foundation helped Abraham organize a day to hang out free hand out free food in Jackson, Mississippi with food and supplies donated from local businesses. Abraham said they ended up feeding about 80 people that day. The nonprofit organization says every third Saturday of each month, the Mississippi chapter will work with Abraham to find local supporters to help supply the food they need to feed up to 80 homeless people. They said the local church and business have already supplied two servings. And when his wish is through. In August of 2022, Abraham does not plan to stop there. He plans to continue helping the homeless. He wants to turn it into a nonprofit, one that he's already named Abraham's Table. What a beautiful story. A young boy who already was going through the trenches himself decided to help others. Great story. And with that one, I also want to go over this article that I found. Hold on, it's on a totally different screen. <laughs> but this kind of goes side by side with that one because, you know, helping others is, you know, not something that everybody does, but some people do. And we're given many opportunities throughout the year to spend time helping other people. You know, there's there's many different things, especially in the holidays. And some people decide to just do random acts of kindness. And there's a reason why this is so popular. So in this article, which was from goodnewsnetwork.org, it says Americans are almost twice as likely to be satisfied with their lives if they give back. And I find this to be true for myself. So what does this article say? This article says, 90% of Americans in a new survey have contributed to a charity and feel better about themselves when they do actively give back. In fact, those who are almost twice as likely to say that they're satisfied with their lives if they've given. And this is according to a survey of 2000 US adults conducted by one poll ahead of Giving Tuesday. The poll revealed that most people think a good deed is an act that makes someone else feel good or something that benefits an individual regardless if you personally know them or not. It says over half the respondents said that helping someone with a task, donating to someone in need, or saying good morning even, or even just holding the door open for someone else, are all deeds that are likely to transform your own day. In fact, according to 9 out of 10, the best reward may be doing the deed itself. The The survey found that good deeds are rewarding because of hidden mental and physical health benefits, causing people who perform them to feel happier, which was noted by 92% of those surveyed. It also helped them feel more relaxed, according to 77% of those surveyed. 71% of those surveyed said that it helped them feel more healthy. Three quarters of those polled believe that they do good deeds, That if they do good deeds, the next person will pay it forward, according to the study commissioned by Walgreens. Respondents donate an average of $168 during the rest of the year. With almost all reporting, they donate more during the holiday season than any other time of the year. On average, people donate an extra $404 during the holidays. It says the vast majority of those who donate are more likely to focus their efforts on local groups rather than national charities or organizations. Two thirds believe that that this will have a bigger impact and three in five said it's more trustworthy to do more local donations. The spirit of giving inspires some of the focus on holiday-specific causes, including charities that distribute toys to children in need. Eight in 10 of those surveyed said that they're more likely to shop for specific products or at particular stores when they believe it will benefit a cause that they care about. Some of the most rewarding small deeds that were noted by the participants were helping a colleague, friend, or family member. 61% felt that this was very rewarding. Donating to someone in need, 59% found this rewarding. Saying good morning to someone, 53% found rewarding. Holding a door open for someone, 53% found rewarding. Giving a compliment to someone, 52% found that this was rewarding. Paying for someone else's meal, buying someone a coffee, and helping someone carry their groceries. Some of the most popular types of charity were health, human civil rights, animal and wildlife welfare, education and environmental. So tell me in the comments section if you're watching this after the fact, um, what donations do you typically donate to? Or do you donate? and how does that make you feel after you're done donating? I'd really like to know. I know that I myself have absolutely loved and felt it super rewarding to donate. So for me, one of my most memorable was when I was a new mother. Um, I was a single mom and i actually ended up meeting somebody who was becoming a single mom themselves and who was a lot younger than i was when i became a single mother and she had nothing she wasn't really being supported by anybody and i once my daughter was old enough i sort of packed up all of my daughter's old things which you know most of them were in stellar shape because my daughter was kind of picky about what she liked and what she didn't like as a baby and I packed it all into my trunk, brought it over to somebody who knew this girl, and she delivered it to her. I really didn't know this person, but I was able to find out that she was super grateful and that she was able to really care for that baby. She had enough clothing. She had enough, you know, of my, you know, diapers that I had left over from, you know, how they how fast babies grow, right? It was It was just amazing. It was amazing to feel that, you know, and I've since then been able to donate to women shelters, um, Toys for Tots. You know, they always do that Christmas tree thing um, at my daughter's dojo. They put on a Christmas event where you're able to collect donations for, for children. You know, just any of those kind of children or people in need, I love it. Someday I would love to start doing even more donations Um, And for me, it feels phenomenal. So let me know how you feel about that. Let me move on to the very next thing that I want to talk about when it comes to to good news. First of all, I want to talk about websites that cheer you up. On makeuseof.com, they have an article that talks about the top five good news websites that can help cheer you up. So let me tell you what they say that those are. One of them is called Positive News, which is positive.news. The next one is Good News Network. Number three, The Optimist Daily. Number four, Uplifting News. And number five, hold on. My computer is thinking. (laughs) All right, number five is the happy news. So if you are looking for something other than nasty, horrible news that you find on local TV channels or national TV, look up those five websites. They have a great bunch of things that you can can find to help lift your mood. All right. Surprisingly enough on Google, it says that in order to create or change your world and create a positive life, eight things that you should be doing is vote, which I find phenomenally hilarious because I think most people that really want to have an impact end up voting. They say donate money, donate time and skills. Call your congressperson take part in protests. Please make sure that they're positive protests, though. None of that nonsense of of creating bad things. Listen to young people. They say running for office and support local journalism so you know all of those things are lovely but i really think that change can start even smaller can even start smaller than that you know there's so many people right now that need you know so donating your time to like big brother big sister kind of organizations i think would be even more fantabulous honestly and there's a lot of daily habits that they stayed on healthline that can make you happier as well. So I wanted to read that from you. This is from Healthline, 25 habits to add to your routine that will make you happier. Number one, smile. Something as simple as smiling can just change your life, change your life. It can also change the life of those around you because they're seeing somebody who's like just, you know, even when you're having a bad day, if you just put a smile on your face, You automatically, your body will automatically feel better because your body's telling you that it is happy even when you're not, and you will start feeling happier. Exercise, which is probably one of the hardest things for most people to do, including myself, is exercising, taking walks around the block, um, taking a yoga class. I love yoga. I personally absolutely adore yoga. Um, Not easy though to start out with, But if you can do just five, 10 minutes a day, perfect. And set up your day with five minutes of stretching. And I'm going to tell you, this stretching will help you specifically as you age. My mother does stretching every single day. And she says that, you know, her pain level has gone down. Number three, it says get plenty of sleep. And of course, this always starts with turning off your electronics (laughs) they say that that electronic glow actually helps you stay awake too long and you know you have less quality sleep if you don't turn off that electronic long before you go to sleep they say that eating will help increase your mood so for example carbohydrates they say on healthline will release serotonin a feel-good hormone lean meats poultries, and dairy are high in protein and these foods release release a dopamine and norepinephrine which boost your energy and concentration highly processed or deep fried foods tend to leave you feeling down so skip those something that i've covered in the past gratitude <laughs> i absolutely love the practice of gratitude i've not been great at it my whole life. However, gratitude is something that, and I did an entire episode on it for Thanksgiving. Gratitude is an amazing way just to completely turn around your life. If you're feeling down in the dumps, you know, having bad times, which right now there's a lot of people having bad times, lots of people losing their jobs and stuff like that. I'm for one of them. I I lost my job this year, but gratitude can really, really keep you in the up and up. Give somebody a compliment is number six. Let me tell you, this was an amazing moment. My daughter, I brought, I bring my daughter to work a lot. And I brought her in one day. There wasn't a lot of people there. I think it was over a holiday. And this one lady that I knew was coming into work. And my daughter just gasped and said, oh, she's so beautiful. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this woman would love to hear this. I mean, I knew this lady. I knew that, you know, she just like the rest of us struggled with some optimisms at times. So I'm like, Elena, you know, you really need to tell this woman what you just said to me. You need to say that to her. So we got out of the car and I said, hey, my daughter wants to say something to you. And she's like, oh, okay. And my my daughter's like, you are so beautiful. And the way that that woman's just entire face lit up was just phenomenal to watch. So if that one compliment can do that great, of mood change for this lady and just make her just feel uplifted. I think all of us should be giving more compliments. Just load up the compliments. Breathing deeply is another way for all of us to feel happier. It releases stress. It helps with just oxygenating your body, your brain. And they it's, there's a lot of studies that have proven that if you just, Close your eyes, envision a happy memory or a beautiful place, no matter how bad your day is, it'll immediately help you start feeling better. That alongside of the deep breaths, perfection. The one thing it says to do for number eight is acknowledge your unhappy moment and then release it. Because you're always gonna have bad times and you can acknowledge those emotions. They're real. We all have hard times. So acknowledge them, but then you need to move past them as quickly as possible. Number nine, they say keeping a journal. 10, face your stress head on. Stress is a bad thing, it's a really bad thing. So it's very enticing for us to kind of live in that stress and allow it to take over our bodies, but stress creates Lots of bad things for your body. I mean, your metabolism metabolism lowers, you start feeling kind of foggy, you're not able to think through things when you're stressed out. So you need to definitely face the stress and then you need to learn to release it. And things that you know stress you out, avoid them. (laughs) Remove things that stress you too. Remove things from your life that stress you out. They say decluttering if you take 20 minutes and just declutter your life whether it be a room a space or anything trauma memory loss yeah that's true trauma definitely does create memory loss and i can say that from experience myself as well Another great uplifter is to see old friends, people that you trust and that you love and that you care about, great things. Also, a lot of us are super duper busy. So it says here that you need to plan your week to the best of your ability. I'm terrible at planning like this. (laughs) Um, But if you can plan out your week to the best of your ability, it'll help declutter everything. You'll have a clear plan to go into. Um, Another part of planning your week could be meal planning, which I'm also terrible at. And then here is a big one, ditch your phone. Especially if you are somebody who's in a career (laughs) where you get tons and tons of phone calls, text messages and all of that, you need to, to carve out times in your day where you just turn it all off because it's not healthy to have it on all the time get into nature one thing that i've started doing is while i'm at home especially i put out you know nuts and seeds and stuff and i just sort of watch the wild wildlife as it comes through we've got chipmunks we've got squirrels yeah the meal prep for the athletes and the diet yes yeah i have a diabetic friend and absolutely you know she if she does not plan her meals out properly oh my goodness You can tell it in just her body language. She tends to get sick from it if she's really not careful. And how many of you guys meditate? I have a lot of trouble meditating, clearing my mind and just meditating, but they say slow and steady beats that race, right? You don't have to be able to completely clear your mind, but if you sit quietly and focus on something positive and take your deep breaths, that they say that this will actually help you focus yourself. They say consider therapy, which is not always a bad thing. Find a self care ritual. You know, for me, it's bubble baths. (laughs) I love taking bubble baths. Um, Monthly habits they say to do that can help you with your happiness is give back. Take yourself out and do something nice for yourself. Create a thought list. Some yearly habits, they say, is take time to reflect. Questions to ask yourself while you're reflecting, they say, is how are you doing? What have you been up to? And are you happier than you were a year ago? And if not, what could you change that would make you happier? reevaluate your goals and this is a perfect time of year right now to start reevaluating your goals. I'm not really big on the um, the whole New year's resolution things those typically fail. What I've started doing is creating a vision board. what do I want to focus on this year? I create a vision board and off of that vision board I create things on the vision board that I can do and accomplish towards those bigger goals. Take care of your body, which is difficult. I actually just wrote a, um, a blog on my website, thriveforwards.com. I have a blog and I just wrote something about caring for your body and about how there's there's many different reasons why a lot of us have trouble losing weight and keeping it off. I mean, there's all these fad diets out there and things like that. But I think the biggest problem that I see is A, stress. And B, the fact that we do not know how to properly plan our meals out. And a lot of us, including myself, tend to focus more on the fast and the easy, especially when we have our busy, busy times. So what we do is we go out and we do a lot of fast fooding and because it's becoming so much more expensive, the cheaper, more processed fast foods are what we're going for, right? So if we can figure out how to create more healthy meals at home and put together things that are quicker, it'll just really help our our bodies out immensely because the processed foods are not good for us. I've been in the food industry for, oh geez, about 10 years now. And a lot of the ingredients that they throw in there, especially all the processed preservatives, the sugars, it's really not healthy for your body and your body becomes addicted to them. And there's also just a lot of things that I'm sure that a lot of you have heard about, like the dyes and the artificial flavors. A lot of those are just not very healthy for your body. Your body does not know how to process them. Number 25, it says, let go of grudges. And that's a hard one for a lot of us. Um, whether it be family, friends, coworkers even people in in our past. You know, if you hold on to it and you let it continue to hurt you, then all you're doing is creating an unhappy space for yourself. We need to learn how to forgive. Forgiveness is key. And the person that we're forgiving doesn't even have to know about it. They don't have to be a part of our lives, but the act of us literally forgiving the person in our minds, even out loud to ourselves, like I forgive this person, helps us sort of just release it from our minds and our hearts. But if we hold those grudges and we refuse to, to give people forgiveness, we're hurting nobody but ourselves. So the other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about when it comes to this is there's a book that I bought. It's by John C. Maxwell. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him before. He's really big here in Atlanta. Um, which is where I'm I'm living, Atlanta, Georgia, he is, he was a pastor turned, you know, leadership guru. (laughs) And he wrote this book with the help of some, a man named Rob uh, Hoskins. And it's called Change Your World. And the whole book is basically all about how we, no matter how big or small we think we are, we can find ways of changing the world around us whether it be you know helping people helping communities um helping a certain child or a group of children you know one of the things that i got involved in for a short time was um girl scouts and i helped develop a mindset of, of these girls you know and though it was small we only had like five people in our girl scout it helped those involved as well as us parents, which was, you know, kind of a surprising, positive change. So this book, though, I mean, I started reading it, and just some of what it said, like chapter one says, we can't wait for change. And the whole emphasis of this one chapter was basically letting us know that if you want to see a change in the world, You can't wait for someone else to do it. Really, the only way change happens is if those of us who see the need for the change actually go out there and seek the change ourselves. So like, for example, it gives stories in here which are fabulous. It says that there was this woman named Missy who was a volunteer at a school who was asked to share an apple. Um, she discovered that there was hungry children just by sharing this one apple, and so she decided to start an organization, a nonprofit organization, where she would pack foods into backpacks in her garage, and she started a program where she feeds eighty seven thousand kids now with these packed foods in these backpacks. There's just there's such there's things every day that we find right every day. Um, there was a family I knew, and this is not even in the book. There was this family I knew at one of my first places of employment after I got out of college, where this mom and father duo had a child who was going to a local, I think it was a, I think they were in high school at this point. And they found out that there was actually homeless kids going to the school because you know they would always know they were the ones who got there first, they'd use the showers and the bathrooms. So they always knew who these homeless kids were. So what they did was they started going around and collecting donations from people. And with those donations, they would buy gift cards to local fast food places because they knew that when holidays would come up, there'd be like a whole week where these kids would not get any meals because their one meal a day was typically done at school. You know, their families didn't have anything or they didn't have a family and nobody knew about it, which is astronomical, but it happens. And so they would take these gift cards and they would give each of the kids that they knew were homeless five gift cards or more that could feed them at least once a day. And then these kids actually had one meal for for a day or two meals, you know, however much they were able to raise is how much they would divvy it out amongst those they knew were homeless. These are children that are under the age of 18 homeless. If I had an opportunity and enough support, I would definitely choose to help out children like that. Um, there was, geez, there's this guy named Charlie they talk about in this where they say a high school dropout with no sense of purpose in her life who spent five months working with children in the slum of africa and said i came home a totally radically changed person and she decided that she was going to continue that work because she realized how great it was so if you're looking for a really good book if you happen to be a reader this is a great book that can just help motivate you to make changes i mean that's why i decided to start this podcast because i know that especially in today's world where things are just chaotic, crazy, people are losing their jobs. um, People are feeling stifled, lonely. I mean, it's, it's important for us to have somebody or someplace to go where there's positivity. And that's why I want to do these positive newscasts where I'm talking to people about positive things that are going on. And also, I want to talk about the fact that we don't have to just depend on our nine-to-five. There are many different things that we can do in our time that can help us create a life that we love. So a couple of things I've done for myself when I lost my job was I created the podcast. I created my blog. Um, I do have a place where if people so choose, they can sign up to chat with me and do a life coaching sessions with me. Um, I've, Decided to get certified in that because, you know, as a manager, when I was working as a manager, I spent a lot of my time just helping people with their lives because, you know, that's really what affects people the most. And if you want people to be able to function at work, you got to know that they are human first. (laughs) So I focus on people's lives and helping them by just listening, you know. I wouldn't give a lot of advice. Sometimes I would, depending upon if it was a topic I knew about. But if you happen to be in in management, it's really important to just know people and to care about people. And with that being said, I have an article (laughs) that I found as well that I thought was very just mind bogglingly easy. But a lot of people don't realize this. It's an article that I found at optimistdaily.com. So that was one of the five websites that I talked about earlier. It says how to bring more joy into the workplace. This article states that companies around the world are making heavy investments in technology and programs to cultivate workers' connectivity in a remote world. While concepts like purpose, mentorship, and empathy are key to building company culture, it's easy to forget the simple yet critical components of workday, which is joy. Everybody wants to feel joy while they're at work. Not a lot of people do though. According to Harvard News Review, there are three main components that lead to joyful workplaces. Capturing these three things would allow companies to have success in creating a joyful workplace. The number one they said is harmony. The first key to joy at work is harmony. To go back to our sports metaphor, they said, on every great team, there are players that exemplify different skills. If everyone plays defense, the team would never score. But if you have players who are good, are each good at different skills, the team will excel. Work is a much more enjoyable place when you identify everyone's strengths and allow employees to work towards a common goal together in harmony because each of them have their own strengths and skill sets that they can kind of add in to the main purpose of what they're trying to accomplish. Number two, they say is impact. Everyone wants to feel like they've made an impact at work. And joy comes from the collective feeling of affecting positive change this could come from achieving a long-term goal passing a milestone or even just a particularly effective brainstorming session but everybody at work wants to have an impact number three is acknowledgement so when a soccer player for example scores a goal they celebrate the point but they do it by also thanking all the supporting players that facilitate the turnover and the assist in business. This is no different. Acknowledging successes is a major source of joy in the workplace, because when workers feel recognized, seen and appreciated, they feel empowered and confident. There was a survey done in December of 2018 where they found that those who report being more joyful at work are those who are also more likely to feel that they understand the purpose of their role, how they how their role contributes to success, and that there are strong bonds within the team. It also states though that there's a gap in joy in the workplace. 90% of the respondents reported that They expect to feel joy at work, yet only 37% actually felt it. And this is where they found the gap. They said that management, and they don't say this, but all of management from all levels of an organization must set the agenda, which is creating a plan to cultivate more joy at work. And this is done by organizing brainstorming sessions, setting up programs to recognize employees for a job well done, and explicitly laying out both short and long-term goals. The other part of this is setting the stage, ensuring that the program in place is to increase workplace joy are cross-team and cross-departmental. If you only have one team or one department who is following the program, then it won't be a full success across the entire company. Number three, set the tone encouraging and celebrating groups and individuals efforts while genuinely expressing joy yourself and for those in management it's important to note that you play a large role in this a super large role in this as does those above you because if you yourself isn't aren't feeling that joy because you don't feel like you're making the impact as well then you're probably not gonna be passing that on down the line to the people who report to you. All right, so let me really quickly talk about the other things that I've done for myself. So though we can look outwardly for this joy and for things that make us feel happy. We also must look internally, right? We need to do things for ourselves and also just realize that happiness starts from within. So And the other thing is that I watch a lot of YouTube on different how to's. And one of the things I saw was on resin (laughs) art, which I, I found very phenomenal. So I I love the ocean. I love the beach. I've been to Hawaii twice, loved it. I love places like Myrtle beach, Florida, um, especially in the panhandle. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to those locations or even where you guys are from, but, uh, I didn't get to see the beach a lot when I was growing up because I was from the Midwest. And then I decided to move down here. And so now I try to go at least once a year to see the the ocean. Um, So I started making ocean scenes out of resin and posting those on Etsy. So this is not only a way for me to feel enjoyment, but also potentially make a little extra cash, which, you know, they say if you're doing something you love that you'll never work a day in your life. Right. So find those things. Find things that you are good at. Find things that you really super enjoy as well. Combine the two and you'll find where your passion is and what you should be doing with your life. A lot of people don't feel joy in the workplace because though they might be good at what they're doing, they actually don't like doing it. I don't know if this sounds very familiar, but I've been there. So I that's why I started the podcast. I've started the blog. These are all things I enjoy doing. I love writing. I love speaking with people and getting to know people and helping people. And then I started my Etsy shop. And then the fourth thing that I decided to start doing, which is working really outside of my comfort zone, which is key to doing anything that you like is working outside your comfort zone. I'm working on getting a license in insurance not because I want to sell people insurance, because that's not my goal, but because I want to help people protect themselves. And I don't want to seek people to do that. I want to find people who are already seeking that opportunity. So I found a company who does that and I'm working alongside of them. I've taken the test, which by the way, that took a lot of studying. It was not easy to do. I took the test, I found out I passed the test. Now I'm just waiting for them to approve the license, so that I can start participating on things with the company that I found, which is the name of the company is Symmetry. Another thing I want to mention is, you know, we are most happy when we feel free to do the things that we want to do. If you're not being able to do the things you love, you need to find time to do those things whether it be, you know, reading, hiking, I don't know, maybe you like playing cards, whatever your likes are, whatever you love doing, do those things and find time for your family. Another great thing is animals. I have a German Shepherd and I have a cat. They are hysterical. So I started videoing them because they are pretty funny, especially when they fight because the cat, totally wins which is crazy Um, but I've started uploading those videos so people can see just some of the wild things whether it be the outdoor life that I have going on or the indoor stuff going on with my pets you know I know that when I'm feeling stressed I look for small animal videos there is a YouTube that I just recently found which is hysterical it's about it's like this oriental woman and her three monkeys. (laughs) It's called the Judy family. And you know, you can tell that people are completely obsessed with watching these cute little animal videos because this one woman is getting 3.3 million views per video or more, which, by the way, makes them a lot of money. It's amazing. I'm not really good with YouTube. Um, I haven't really done a lot on YouTube besides some of the short videos that I've done, but I did find a website that kind of shows you how much these folks make on YouTube once they get uh, monetized. And it can be like in the thousands, like this woman, if I'm not mistaken, if I can remember correctly, because I looked it up yesterday, I believe per video of her just feeding these monkeys, different foods and how they act and react to different things they're making like $18,000 off of a video in three months. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And all of us can do these kind of things. It's, it's amazing. The opportunities out there. So how's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? I'm going to be planning on doing a lot more of these live, uh, uh, podcasts, um, as well as some of the ones that I've pre Um, but a lot more of these live ones, just because I want to start being able to interact with people more and create a place where you guys can come and chat and meet people that are like minded. Um, another thing that I just recently saw, and this is funny. I want to know if this has worked for anybody anybody has anybody tried the cabbage soup diet supposedly i mean it's supposed to be super healthy that's obvious just from the ingredients that go into it there's no meat in it it's just cabbage carrots onions garlic um celery just any vegetables you want to throw into that thing basically you boil it down you put in whatever spices you like And supposedly, if you eat that for three meals a day, or at least two meals a day, that you're supposed to lose like 10 pounds in a week. Has anyone tried this? Every time I try to do it, I end up not making enough for a whole week and then not being able to buy another cabbage. So I've never successfully been able to actually pull this thing off. But if anybody has ever tried this diet, I'd love to hear it. Yep. The. The cabbage soup diet i'm gonna have to try this absolutely going to have to try this a little bit more about me i live in georgia my i have an education though you know education is kind of like neither here nor there for me at this point um my degree was in biology with a minor in chemistry and Um, I really liked microbiology, so I did research in it when I was in my undergrad. After that, though, um, I got out of college right before the first big crash of the housing market of my generation, at least. And that was in 2007, eight, had a lot of trouble finding a job at that time. So I worked as a temp for a few months until I got hired on. And I was making no more than I probably would have not having a degree at all to start out with. And the only reason I even got to the point where I could really take care of me and my daughter without ever having to to live off of government funding was mostly because of the fact that I just had a lot of gumption. I really wanted to make it work. And I did a lot of different things. I learned things quickly. I took every opportunity that was given to me. I, I went out there and actively seeked people to help me and support me and found a mentor, which mentorship is just phenomenal thing for you to do. Even if it's not job related, mentors are amazing, especially if they're positive mentors. Um, and then I took my first leap of faith and decided to uproot myself from the Midwest at the time I was living in Southern Wisconsin. And I took a job down in Georgia and moved down here with me and my little two, well, she might've just turned three, three three-year-old. Now she's eight and I've been down here since 2015 and it was a phenomenal move. (laughs) Mask free. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that mask mandate, I don't know. When we were going through it, I feel like all it did for me was give me a good sinus infection and a lung infection. I had both at the same time. And after getting off of my antibiotics, I was so grateful when my company finally decided to do do away with that mask mandate. Oof. Personally, I think that, especially here in the United States, I don't, you know, we're supposed to be mentors of freedom. You know what I mean? And common sense, common sense and freedom. (laughs) So a lot of the mandates that have gone on, especially in the north, you know, which is where I was from, mind you, I was from a very, very democratic state, (laughs) where we mandated the heck out of everything um, in the past two years. But it's been worthless. I mean, there was no real reason for it. And they're finding out now through research that actually, we've done more harm than than good. My daughter, um, she is eight, like I said, and she, I found out over the last two years that she has dyslexia. And so the mask mandate actually harmed her big time when it came to her learning to read. Because, you know, she, everybody's faces were covered. So she couldn't see the mouth and how it functioned when they were speaking and especially in the reading portion. So I ended up having to get her a software that actually went through the motions that she was missing. And mental health, absolutely. Oh God, the most devastating thing that's happened over this past you know month or so was when I found out that one of the supervisors that worked for me, um, he passed away and they're saying that it was suicide. Yeah, just absolutely devastating, right? Just mm-hmm. devastating. And all of that can be changed. I mean, men, uh, there's a lot of things that go into this mental health thing, especially right now. A, we're not seeing as much of people supporting each other like we used to because, A, we're all afraid to be around each other, or a lot of people still are. <laughs> not everybody. There's some of us who have come out of that and realized, hey, you know, I personally got COVID already. Was it bad? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. You felt like crap for a week. Actually, it was closer to two weeks. But I I would say it was no different than when I had the flu. Some people it will affect worse than others, I'm sure. But I don't think that it's I think it's much like the flu. It's much like the flu. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of great treatments out there. So the fear factor just needs to go away. And people need to start socializing again and becoming more, I don't know, just the communication needs to be better and we need to stop relying heavily so much on technology. I mean, we are focusing on Facebook. We are really, they don't mention the suicide and vaccine killed more people. Absolutely, it totally did. Um, the suicide rate has just absolutely gone sky high similar to what we saw over the, the crash of 2008, I would say, you know, people just, especially those who don't live near family, and don't live with people, oh, they had it the worst. And the vaccine itself, I knew one person who had a really terrible reaction to it. And him and his wife went and got the vaccine together. His wife decided not to continue and she only got the one shot. She decided not to get the second one and she got fired from her, her job because of it. Cause they were mandating it. They weren't even allowing them to, uh, (laughs) thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) That was a really nice compliment. Um, yeah, but yeah, she decided not to go forward with it. She got fired and it's, Devastated her, but she got right back out there and she found herself another job of people that would allow her to, if you know, if they wanted them to either get vaccinated, at least gave her the option to also just get tested weekly, which I think is completely valid. If they want to go through with making sure that people are healthy, which I get, you know, especially in some companies where they need a lot of people on the floor at all times and otherwise they shut lines down, you know, just have them get tested. But we've been dealing with the flu for decades, you know, (laughs) probably, you know, hundreds of years. We've been dealing with the flu and we've never had to shut things down like this, at least not since the Spanish flu. And even that, I I think that, you know, that was a bad one. This one, we didn't even wait to start shutting everything down. We just went on the word of a few people. And they're still doing this. In other countries. Yeah. So I listen to a lot of different, I'm just gonna say right now, I don't listen to mainstream media anymore. Because I find it to be um, just very negative on top of the fact that there's a lot of misconceptions that they pass through. So what I've been doing is finding a lot of uh, local reporting from different areas within the United States, as well as other countries. And those citizens reporters, they'll tell you what is what. Um, The newest strain that they've talked about. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Supposed. (laughs) Um, The newest strain that's coming out of South Africa right now, Um, the people of South Africa are, are putting up videos right now on YouTube that are stating that it's not really doing any big, huge amounts of damage. In fact, um, most of the symptoms are, are minimal in comparison to the initial strain that went through. So it's definitely important for us to, to pay attention to the local reporters versus those who are on the TV telling you what they're being told to tell. <laughs> you know, there is definitely an agenda here and we need to, to understand that there is one and, listen to to the truth versus what they want us to believe. And that's why I think that it's also important that we don't fully depend on companies for our financial benefits. Because they don't have our back either. Corporate USA is not what it used to be. would absolutely love it. If you could share this with other people as well. I'm very new to this. You said the yup, our food. <laughs> um, I would love to get a nice following going here so that I can keep this up and help support more and more people. Um, I am also somebody who likes to stay prepared for anything. So I can cover things like that as well if you're interested. The things that I at least have learned to do include, um, besides making websites now, that was a new thing that I haven't done for many years. (laughs) Um, But I learned how to make a website, a podcast, um, a blog, I've learned, I'm a gardener. (laughs) I love to garden. I just recently purchased um, three grapevines and three fig trees, because they grow really well here in Georgia. And I'd also like to stop, you know, staying, I would like to stay away from as much as possible, the use of foods that have a lot of chemicals on them, just because I know from all the research that I've read, that a lot of the chemicals that we're using in our foods right now, a lot of the hormones that we're pumping into it and things like that, not good for us Um, one of the one of the big things that i've learned recently which you know i'm a non-smoker i was a smoker but i quit naturally i just sort of gave it up a long time ago um but they were doing these you know if you want to save money on your health insurance um do these three things, and we will give you back $30 a month on your on your health care costs. So a lot of companies were doing that, you know, all of these health benefits. And one of the ways that they did it was through smoking cessations, right. And one of the methods you could use was taking a drug called Chantex. And then you find out, you know, 1015 years later, that this is actually causing people to have cancer. The Food and Drug Administration is not always the best at deciding what they should really be releasing out to the public when it comes to drugs. And one of the main reasons why I have chosen to forego the vaccination myself is because I worked for big pharma for a little while, not for a long time, but at least enough to understand that, you know, they have a process that they take in order to test drugs to at least determine whether or not in the short term that they're going to have bad effects on people, right? So they, and these testings, these testings take like, you know, at least five years, but a lot of times it goes on for 10 years before they can actually release the drug. These vaccinations that they've decided to put out there have ended up kind of Foregoing most of that testing. And they just sort of threw it out there. And I understood in the beginning, you know, if it was like an emergency or whatever, but once we started seeing those numbers come down and seeing that, you know, the death rates really weren't as high as what they were fearful of. Um, and a lot of the death rates are not accurate depictions. I mean, I read an article just a few days ago, or actually it was it was a little while, it was like a month ago. But it was about the fact that they had finally come up with a way to differentiate COVID from the flu. And I was thinking to myself this whole time, how could they not differentiate it from the flu? No wonder we had no flu for almost two years (laughs) because it was all testing as COVID. I also heard numerous stories from people that I know um, that hospitals knew that they were going to make a lot more money off of COVID deaths. So anybody who died, they'd automatically call it a COVID death. And that's why those death rates were up so freaking high. People would die of a car accident and they'd be like, oh, it must've been COVID. But it wasn't. Um, There was one gentleman I worked with that um, his neighbor's wife had to go in for a surgery. And of course, when you go into a surgery, they have you fill out a form that states like, hey, if this goes wrong, what do you want to have happen? You know, do you want them on life support? Do you want you know them to not be resuscitated? Like, what is your plan? Well, at the very top of it, it had check boxes that said COVID-related or not COVID-related. And it was already pre-checked on the form that it was a COVID so that if the person died in surgery, that they could automatically call it a COVID and get... Gosh, I think it was like 40,000 for a COVID death versus 10,000 for a regular non-COVID related death. So the hospitals were making out like bandits. So there is definitely a lot of you know nefarious things that are happening right now in this world that we need to be very cautious of what we believe and what we don't believe. And we need to hear all sides of the story. So a couple ways that you can also help yourself out this season is to realize that, and this was amazing. I don't know if, if you've heard of, um, um, I can't see how many people haven't heard of him, but Russell Brand, he has a show on YouTube and I've been listening to him now for a while. I never really liked him as an actor. I thought the movies that he were in were, yeah, they were a little bit slapsticky, but um. Google Cup decrease in the flu totals. I watched them switch numbers every time I checked. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable, you know? There is a lot of things out there right now that just don't make sense. And it it really feels like a matrix that they have us in. You know, they figure that we're just going to kind of just believe everything that they tell us and that's coming to to not be true. I mean, there's a lot of people right now, especially in some of those cities that are pushing the narrative, right, pushing whatever narrative that they want to push like New York or Chicago or, you know, people are moving away from those places too in hordes, right. Um, But people are definitely pushing back, they don't want these things to be the way that they are because it's just, it's, it's unhealthy. The way that this country, the the direction our country is moving right now, which by the way, leads the pathway for the rest of the countries. Um, You know, we protect the freedom of countries, we promote freedom of other countries. But we're not being able to do that if these kind of nasty things are happening in our country. (laughs) Yeah, those masks, they didn't do anything. The masks did nothing. (laughs) And there's tons of research out there to prove it. Hey, have you heard of um, cloud seeding by chance? I found cloud seeding to be a very interesting topic my niece um, is going into sustainability. And so, you know, she's being led down one path of sustainability that's, you know, we need to do away with all of these different vehicles. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, that dirty word that they don't like us saying, right? (laughs) But it's actually cloud seeding and they've been doing it since I think, if I remember correctly, I'd have to relook up this, uh, this government information that i had found, you know, they had declassified a bunch of stuff and these cloud seedings were, were one of them. And what they said was that they could create rain. It was like a rainmaker, but they also had declassified a treaty that was signed between many, many different countries stating that they wouldn't use cloud seeding as a weapon because it could be weaponized they can use it to create droughts hurricanes flooding all those kind of things and it's stated in a government document and you can you can search it it's been declassified and yet when it comes to chemtrails that dirty word, um, they were saying that, that it was crazy. But really in the articles that i found it, what it, it basically is they're putting chemicals up in chemicals and heavy metals up in the clouds to create weather. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's It's almost like an unveiling of the world we thought we lived in and it really wasn't. <laughs> It really wasn't. But even with all of this stuff, I find it absolutely necess- necessity to find positive ways to help yourself, right? We can't always depend on our governments. We can't always depend on our neighbors. But we can do little things for ourselves that help us feel more you know, more safe. There's a really great group of people that I listen to that, you know, some of them kind of can get a little fear mongery, but others like to kind of focus on what, what we can do to positively impact our our situations, you know, I mean, who would have thought that we would have a huge toilet paper shortage (laughs) as one of the side effects of a pandemic. But it happens. And I can tell you one thing I learned from that experience is that I will always make sure I have extra toilet paper on hand. And our children are the best way for us to help support the future. If we can get our children to understand what is going on and create them, you know, create in them the leadership that we don't have right now then the future will be much better. So with my daughter, I am never lying to her. I'm expressing to her exactly what is going on in this world. I'm giving her the capability of looking things up on her own because that's what I've learned to do. And that way the veil can never be put back over us and we can never be blindfolded from the truth anymore. If we teach the next generation to seek out information and not just take it from whatever source is putting it out there. (laughs) Yeah, that was my biggest conversation with my niece, because you know, she's all about sustainability with her new major. And sustainability is great in concept, as long as we're going about it in the right way. And we're looking at all the right numbers, you know what I mean? Like we have to be looking at true numbers, true statistics that are not created for a certain solution, you know that they want us to come up with, and so global warming. I actually did. I read and did an an essay on it in school myself. I took an environmental class just because it was supposed to be easy, <laughs> and um, I learned a lot about global warming. It can definitely be natural, but the amount of time it would take for it to happen naturally, and I don't, you know some of the crazy things they talk about, like the methane gas being produced by cows and how that's bad, just all these crazy things that they they come up with it doesn't make any sense. You know, like one of the things that that my niece told me while over the holiday was, you know, well, farming isn't sustainable, because you know, you need to have all these motor vehicles in order to, to farm. And I'm like, well, if you don't farm, there's no food, you know, so what what are you supposed to do? just stop feeding people. And so now they're coming up with all of these, you know, things that are grown on Petri dishes, which I find absolutely just gross. I mean, they've been trying to figure out how to grow meat on Petri dishes. This is, you know, while I was working in, in an R and D facility, they were just starting to do that. And I was like, Ooh, you know, mm, that's just gross. (laughs) Yeah. It's just gross. I would fart. I mean, I'm not much of a hunter myself, but I would rather go out there and kill myself something over eating something that I know was grown in a lab unnaturally at that. I mean, there's no natural way to do that. And my biggest concern, yeah, my biggest concern is the fact that, you know, they're using so much genetic engineering And we don't know what this is really doing, you know, until way after the fact, for example, all the sugars that they modified to create sugar-free products. We're finding out now a lot of those are causing cancer because they're unnatural. We're creating unnatural compounds. And so when we create cells on a Petri dish and we grow meat on a Petri dish like that, you know it's not natural so what is it really doing what is it creating yeah we need to go back to the natural form of everything you know i i'm not even growing seeds that have been genetically modified anymore out in my backyard for my garden i'm looking for you know the heirloom seeds that you know there's a reason why those plants don't produce seeds <laughs> and if they do produce seeds you plant those and they grow no fruit there's something wrong with it there's we should not be genetically modifying things like that i'm also horribly against cloning for the same reason what are we cloning you know and you know i'm not trying to take it all religious on anyone but you know Where does the person's personality come from if we clone them? And are they going to be the same person exactly Um, the whole idea of God and souls? I mean, will there be a soul in that? I don't know. So I'm I'm against cloning. I'm against genetic modifications. Um, Yeah. And. Children of men. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I'd love to be. Absolutely. What is your show about? I'll have to go check out your show too (laughs) before that time. I'd also like to know what other podcasts that you listen to, or other shows and programs because I'd be interested in checking those out as well. All right, I can definitely pull up some information on that. (laughs) So that I have uh, resources and stuff that people can look up for themselves. Yeah, it's, um, it's an amazing topic and the fact that they can do so much with with doing that, but they're also doing a lot of damage because it's, once again, it's not natural and our earth is cyclical just like anything else, you know, everything, the sun, the earth, everything has a cycle and we're screwing with that cycle. All right, well, if you'd like to email me with more information about the Friday show, because I've got to get off of here, (laughs) Um, please email me. It's lifeandthingspodcast at gmail.com. All right. It has been an absolute great fun and I will be doing more of these live shows with more topics chosen. I also still wanna keep it kind of positive at times because I know that it's hard to find positivity, but um, it's been great chatting and getting to know you and I'll be looking forward to uh, getting your email. And for everyone else, please feel free to comment and leave any type of comments or email me as well with anything that you'd like to hear about. Um, So have a great day, it's been fun, bye.